Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Excellent. So glad you guys are here. Um, and I want to thank Larry. Larry's been a good friend to me ever since I moved here um, from Pittsburgh. He's been a great friend to me uh, and a supporter and encourager. If you rub shoulders with him very long at all, you'll know that he has a gift of encouragement. Phenomenal guy. Um, let me introduce myself just a little bit, even though Larry did it. Let me tell you a bit about my story. I grew up in Ohio. I uh, grew up in Sandusky, and this is just going to give me fits all day, isn't it? I grew up in Sandusky, uh, where Cedar Point's at. It's pretty much what everyone knows Sandusky for. And Tommy Boy now. You know, we're really uh, on the map because of that. And uh, um, just loved the church I went to, went to school. And then uh, after marrying my wife, we uh, moved to Pittsburgh for six years. And we were right in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, large church. Church that had, you know, all the resources and all the staff and, and all that kind of stuff. And about four years into our six years there, God began speaking to me and my wife about planning a church. And uh, so, you know, we started praying about it, fasting, talking to our, our senior lead pastor about it. And uh, we started researching where we thought God might be leading us to go. And, of course, uh, we were interested in younger populations, growing populations, you know, populations that don't necessarily have a church. And, um, and so we were about a year and a half into the process of just praying and going, God, where are you calling us to? And I'll never forget getting a conversation. I think it was early uh, 2006. The, the district superintendent at the time was Doug Clay. I don't know how many of you guys remember him. And I remember he called me up. I'm in Pittsburgh. He calls me up and he says, Ken, I've really been praying for you and Carrie about where God might be leading you guys. And, and I really think that he might be leading you to Fremont. And since I grew up in Sandusky, Sandusky like right up here. Fremont's like right here. I was familiar with Fremont. I don't think I, I maybe had driven through it like maybe twice. But like my first thought was a thought, I'll be just totally honest and transparent. My first thought was one of offense. It was like, really, when you look at me and my wife, like that's the leadership giftings that you think of is, is, is Fremont. You know, we're looking at, um, you know, Columbus and Cincinnati and Delaware, you know, these counties that are actually growing. And, and that was our first thought, and, and I went to bed, and, and in the middle of the night, I felt like God woke me up. This only happened uh, twice in my life. This was the second time that happened, where I felt like God woke me up, and, and it was just a rebuke of, you're not going to pray about this, you're not going to... And so we just started praying, and, and finally decided that we needed to drive through Fremont. It was about a three and a half hour drive from uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, so me and my wife, we... we uh, came to Fremont, just drove through the city. I can remember the exact route that we drove through, and as we were driving through, it was just very clear this is where God was calling us to. I mean, undoubtedly, to the point where at the end of that drive, you know, we were calling, the, calling up the, the network saying, mm-hmm. we're in. Yep. And uh, so we ended up moving. My wife at this point uh, was about six months pregnant, seven months pregnant with our first child. And when we moved to Fremont, and the only building that we could find that was available, the schools said no to us, everybody said no to us, was a, uh, uh, an old church that had closed down, so it was now empty, and it was on Route 20. If you're used to Northern Ohio, Route 20 kind of goes across there. We're on Route 20 between Clyde, which is a city of 6,000, and Fremont, which is a city of right around 16,000. Uh, so Fremont's a little bit bigger if you're looking at the, I guess, 10,000 is what we had in, in, the, in the book. 
So Fremont's a little bit bigger, but really where we're at, our mailing address is actually Clyde, which is a city of 6,000. And literally across the street from our church is a pig farm, which I always tell people that, and then when they come to visit, they're like, you meant like right across the street. And you smell it. I mean, and that's what... Uh, like, I remember the first time that it really smelled, like a couple weeks, that we were like praising God we got this building, and then that first day where you got out of your car and you were like, oh my gosh, I can't even breathe, that is so strong. And, and, and we, just, we just hit the, the ground running. Um, and I want to pose to you the first question, and this would be in the top of your notes, really the first, uh, the first question I want to pose to you is if your church ever had to permanently close its doors, how would the people of your community respond? If your church ever had to permanently close its doors, how would the people in your community respond? And, and this is a very interesting question to ask because in our, in our area, Fremont had had an Assembly of God church for well over 35 years. And uh, it, it ended up having to close its doors because of, uh, Doug Clay used to say, because of a number of successful disasters um, that had happened in that church. And, and the result was um, we came into town about five years after it had closed its doors. I thought it was interesting. When we came into town, that Assembly of God church, even though it had been closed for five years, was still being listed every Saturday in the Fremont newspaper of churches holding the services, um, was still in a, a number of different lists around town. And I told my wife, I said, how sad is it that this church closed its doors five years ago and no one in the community noticed? And, and, and I say that, and it, to today, it, it kills me to think that a church could exist and no one in the community would know where it is. I find sometimes I'll go to a church and just, you know, I'll know where it is because of Google Maps and the technology we have. You'll you know where it is. But sometimes just out of curiosity, I did this with a friend uh, recently going to his church, and I stopped uh, a couple blocks away from the church, stopped at a convenience store, and just went in and said, hey, could you tell me where, I won't say the name of the church is, where such and such a church is? And, and that's a great test, because if you're just a couple blocks away from the church, and the person in the convenience store says, I have no idea where you're talking about, that might be a clue. In fact, I would even encourage you in your city, in your town, do, do some investigating. Go into a gas station and say, hey, I just, do you have any idea where this church is? And just start asking that question. For us, it was really awakening, and it really gave us, it drove us in a direction of saying, if nothing else... We want our community to know that there's a church where God is present, where in the midst of carrying around life's luggage and all of the hurts and hang-ups that we develop, that there's a church that is reflecting God and reflecting the presence of the Holy Spirit and reflecting the life change that he can bring into people's hearts. And so I put in your notes some suggestions, and I told Larry earlier, they didn't tell me how long the session was going to be. I, I thought maybe 30, 35 minutes. So then when I saw an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, um, I'm not going to speak for an hour and 10 minutes. So what we're going to do is I'll speak for maybe about 30 minutes at the most. And then we're going to do some time of just brainstorming and getting your ideas. Because I'm here to steal from you. And hopefully you're here to steal from the person next to you. And, and in the kingdom of God, it's not called stealing. It's just called visioneering with each other, okay? So that's, that's, we're going to do a little bit of visioneering, and, and hopefully hopefully when we walk out of here, hopefully maybe from someone that you're sitting next to or, or from whatever, you get some ideas. I'll tell you in a little bit, one of my ideas, I actually ripped off from something that Conan was doing at C3 Church. We could never do it to his level, but we just ripped off that idea, changed it a little bit, tweaked it, and it's one of our most popular events. So 
Here's a couple of lessons that I've learned over the last couple of years. If you want to build momentum in your small community, number one, pray over your community. And I, I, mean, I when I was putting this in my notes, I was thinking, like, this is, like, the most Captain Obvious. You know, like, duh, you know, did he really even have to put that in your notes? But, I mean, one of the first things that we did when we moved to Fremont is is I walked, like, every street, every neighborhood in in Fremont. We got out a great big map and we just determined I wasn't doing anything else. We didn't even our church hadn't even started yet. If you're if you're a pastor and you're in a church and you're just too busy to do it, bring in some special speakers for a few weeks and I'm telling you it is so profound to just start walking around your community. And I just started praying. Just did one of these things where at praying over houses, praying over kids that I would see. You know, I wasn't I wasn't doing that out loud, okay? I wasn't, oh Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. But just just praying over every school then that I would walk by, or every if there was a police station I was walking by, or or a church. Oh God, just bless this church. And, and then and then that gave me impetus to say, I wonder who pastors that church. I need to I need to meet that person. Um, a great book that has just helped me, in fact, I'm on my second time through it, is Mark Batterson's Draw the Circle. Now, I know he has a circle maker that's really popular. Draw the Circle is a 40-day devotional, which I think is better than the circle maker, and it's filled with incredible stories of things that God has done. And, and that, just, I, I read a chapter right now, I'm like on day 28, again, my, my second time through, and it inspires me so much. And, and every time I read, I'm like, I need to get out and, and walk the streets some more and just pray. But there's something powerful about getting out of your church office and you got a cell phone anyhow, right? They can reach you. So, you know, maybe right now it's not as ideal, especially in northern Ohio. In Columbus, I'm like, man, this is a heat wave. This is awesome. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you got to, depending on where you're at in Ohio, wait another month or so. But get out of the office. Put your cell phone in the pocket. They can still reach you. And just start walking the streets and just start praying for God's purposes. And, and not just praying um, for, for them, but praying for you. This is one of the things that God just dealt with me big time, was praying that God would put in me a heart of compassion for the people that he's called me to. Because he loves these people way more than I love them. And what he wants to do is he wants to develop in me a heart for them. And not just see them as just a population, but to see them as individuals, see them as people who are hurting. So that's the first thing that I, I would tell you. If there's nothing else, I would tell you go out and do that. Number two is build a, like build a community outreach team. And um, I put this as number two in the list. This took us a long time to do. Quite honestly, um, our church plant was a, a kind of church plant that I don't even think we allow anymore. <laughs> but uh, it was what, in, in, um, in circles that research church planting, they call it a parachute drop, which means um, that it was me and my wife and nobody else. Because we, we were coming from Pittsburgh and nobody wanted to move from Pittsburgh. I had people who were like, man, when you plant a church, we're coming with you. We don't care where you plant a church, we're coming with you. And then when I told them, okay, I'm planting a church in Sandusky County, I remember, um, I won't go into the story, but they were like, well, we, we ain't going with you after all. We would go with you if you were going somewhere else. Um, just to give you an idea of Sandusky County, we don't even have a Starbucks in our county. Which for me, coming from Pittsburgh, that was like, I mean... There was 20 Starbucks on my way to church each morning that I could choose from. So that was like the first thing that caused me to not necessarily want to go there. But I will say that I've, I've, spoken, I've spoken negatively about where God has called us, but now we are now uh, seven years into this. And it, I, Carrie and I just talked about this recently. Um, it's amazing how God knew what we wanted more than we knew what we wanted. 
And, and it's just that we love our community. We don't see our community. I think when we first moved there, maybe we had a mindset, I'm just speaking honestly, of, well, maybe we'll do something here and then God will call us somewhere. And not at all. Like, we see ourselves as lifers um, for the community God has put us in. Um, so uh, community outreach team, I mentioned that it was me and my wife doing this, like, all by ourselves. But what I learned real quickly is now that we had, you know, when you don't have a church, it's easy to do that. But when you have a church, I mean, you got all these other responsibilities that are on you. All the pastors in this room know this, probably the lay people. You've kind of picked up on this. I needed to have some people who, when they go to church, they're looking at everything that's going on in our church through the lenses of reaching out to our community. Because I'm, I'm not always able to have that gift. I've got all these other things, all these other pressing matters. So what I needed to do real quickly was put together a group of people who would say, can our sole purpose in being at this church is to help this church reach out to our community. So we have a leader. She's actually, I thought she might be in the session, but she would probably like, heck no, I'm going somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, uh, who's a leader of that group, she, she meets once a month with a team of people, and sometimes I'm at the meetings and sometimes I'm not, and they just brainstorm. At the minimum, they're doing a monthly outreach to our community where they're asking the whole church to be a part of that. And I'll talk about the values of that um, in a few moments, but that is so important. I don't care if you have a church of 20 people or a church of 200 people. You've got to have at least one handful of people who are looking at things through that set of lenses. And the people are in your church. Whether you have 20 people or 200 people, that those people are in your church, and, and they that's what they're called to do, and they're just waiting for you to ask them to do it. So look, start asking. Start having conversations about that. Um, number three, this, this is kind of funny that this is on here, but I, I'm passionate about this. If you want to build momentum in a small community, join a local service club. Um, so I, we, landed in Pits, or we landed in Fremont, and I was talking to a guy who owned a local coffee house because there wasn't a Starbucks, so I had to find out all the local coffee houses, some. right? Yeah, I, I, mean, I told you. If there wasn't one, we were going to start one, all right. uh, for sure. So I was talking to this guy and, um, and just trying to get an idea of the community from him, and and, and he said, you, you know what? He goes, here's, here's the beef that I have. And I'm like, all right, I won't get out my notebook. He says, here's the beef that I have with pastors. He said, 20 years ago, I knew the pastors of every church in this community because they were involved in our community. He goes, now I couldn't tell you the name of one pastor in our community because they move into town, they stay in their office, and then four years later, they move out to another church. And he said, I don't know, I don't know of one pastor in our community. And I said, well... What would you do if you were me? And he goes, I would join a service club. There's Rotary, there's Kiwanis, there's Exchange Club, there's all these different groups that you can choose from. Um, and, and so I'm telling you, the next week I got on a website and, and I, I first applied for Rotary because that's my grandpa was a Rotarian. They never responded to me. Uh, so I ended up joining the Exchange Club and it's the best thing that I could have done to build momentum in our community because now all of a sudden, if you're not, if you're not familiar with the service club, um, our particular club, the Exchange Club, meets every Friday for lunch and we meet at the, we met at the BFW, now we're at the Eagles Club and we meet at, and yesterday for example, we met at noon and the mayor of Fremont was our guest speaker and he gave a state of the city address and there was probably 15 people in the meeting. So here I am, you know, sitting there, and, and I'm talking to the mayor, and he knows who I am. So it's just great for, we, I've met the uh, superintendent of schools through these meetings. I've met, and, and not just met, I was a president for a year, so I would always be at the head table with them, you know, talking through things. This, this has single-handedly, the treasure of our church right now is actually someone that I met from Exchange Club. And then her husband came, 
And uh, we've, had, we've had several people who, who have come through, through that. But then also, they ask me all the time, how's your church going, Pastor? They all call me Pastor, which I think is funny because they're all like at least 30 years older than me. Um, you know, how's the church going? And, and, and they'll, the whole lunchtime, I'm getting a chance just to talk to them about how things are going. And what are you preaching on this Sunday, Reverend? Or, you know, that type of thing. It's, it's just been so cool. Come on. Um, I have a friend who's actually uh, been the local Red Cross director for, for decades, and Ron Root, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And he told me at one point, he said that the Red Cross actually requires their directors to be, um, to be a member of a service club. I thought that was interesting. Why? Because when I talk to other pastors, very few are involved in that. So I would encourage you, the pastors in this room, I would, I would encourage you, if you can, if your schedule allows... And even if your schedule doesn't allow, maybe find a way to change your schedule. Um, number four, again, these are, you, you could have made this list, okay? This isn't like a brilliant list. But number four is talk to your city's leaders. Um, and again, I'm surprised by how few pastors actually get out and do this. Or, or lay people, you know, you, you guys as well. But to just schedule an appointment with your mayor. Schedule an appointment with the city council leaders. With the superintendent of schools. With anybody you can. The county sheriffs. Um, I've gotten such great insight from our, uh, from our county sheriff. I mean, he gives me great, and he's driving by our church all the time. He'll call me at 1 in the morning if the lights are on, which I don't appreciate. But, um, <laughs> and he, hey, just wanted to let you know because I thought you might want to know, you know, just in case someone's been in your building. Um, but just, just to build those contacts and to, and here's a question that I, that I ask them is, um, what is the biggest need in our community? Because I don't know. And I think a lot of times churches are guilty of, we think that there's a big need in the community, but it's not really the need of our community. Maybe it's a need of a church you know, across the state. And so we hear that they're doing this, and we think, well, I'll do that. Because that, the, the, the best way to find out what the needs are in your community is to talk to you know, the police officers, talk to people who are involved in the schools, talk, and, and they're in your church even. You know, sit down with the people in your church, and what are the needs that are going on? And I would just bring a notebook, and I didn't talk, because pastors are guilty of talking way too much. I would, I would purposely go into the meeting and just say, tell me what, what's going on in our community. How can we be a part of it? If there's one thing that we could do for our community, what, what do you think it would be? So much insights come from that. Um, number five, personally find a way to serve your community outside of the church. Um, this is gold. This is gold because so many, and I, I know I'm saying a lot to pastors in a few moments. I'll make this hopefully applicable to everyone in the room. But so many pastors, like, the, the extent of our service to our community is like our gig. And so we see things through, through just a set of lenses of our church. And so when we moved to Fremont, I had been a part of a church like that, and I just, I just really didn't, I don't want to get into that, where all of my, um, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, and I won't get into some pictures in a moment of some of our outreaches. But um, so when we moved to Fremont, one of the needs that I found that was big time is for our county, uh, statistically, um, adult illiteracy is, is huge. Which I would imagine, is, and sometimes you would think this wouldn't be true in a small community, but sometimes it is. And so I got hooked up with a lady who was trying to change that in our county and, and went through a 12-hour training course of how I could be a tutor to an adult who was illiterate. And she paired me up with a 27-year-old African-American um, named Robert. And I got to meet with him twice a week. We would get together twice a week, and, and I'm teaching this guy how to read. And, and in the process, he taught me a ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, he taught me a ton because he didn't go to church. 
and didn't have no time for church, and we could go down that whole long story. But he was teaching me things about, about his culture, about his community. I learned so much from that. Unfortunately, um, he cut that off recently, so I'm not serving him. I'm looking for somebody else, so uh, be praying about that as well. Number six, and this is going to be the meat. This is going to be the time that we'll spend um, probably the most time with. Is number six, is commit to surprising your community with kindness. This has been one of our values because we started talking to people in our community and one of the things that they found before we started a church service, they said, you know, it just seems like every church is about themselves. Every church is about taking from the community. And so we made a vow, like right before we even started weekly services, we are only going to do things that give to our community. So like I won't allow any group from our church to do fundraisers outside of the church in the in the community because I don't want people in our community thinking that we're there to take from the, now now we we have there's an exception to that uh, last year this last fall we did a rummage sale for the first time in our church and I said the only way you guys can do a rummage sale is number one everything has to be donation only so you can't have a price tag on anything and secondly um, if you're going to do it for a, a cause in a church half of it has to go to a cause outside of our church. And uh, why would you not do that? I mean, it's so incredible. And so uh, we had people coming into church. I don't see any price tags. That's because everything's by donation only. So whatever, whatever you want to give. And then, well, what's the money going toward? Well, they, one of the causes they picked was the Humane Society. There had been some bad news in our county about some animal issues. And so at that point, it was fresh on people's minds. And so, and, and you know what's funny? Because one person in our church said, why are we giving money to the Humane Society? You know, these are dogs. These are cats. These aren't human souls. And I said, because it matters to our community. And we want our community to see us as a church that is giving to the community, rather the community is always reaching and trying to take, uh, to be a church that's taking from the community. So one of the books that fired me up right away, I don't know if I put this in your notes, is Steve uh, Sogren's book, Conspiracy of Kindness. I would get on Amazon today. I mean, even before I'm done, get on there, order it. You can find a used one for probably just a couple bucks. And this just blew my mind. Um, and then I just started reading everything that he wrote. He was a pastor for years of the Vineyard Church in Cincinnati. Um, just a phenomenal mind and, and fresh uh, philosophy. And so after reading his book, what we decided was we wanted to at least once a month find some way of surprising our community with God's love. Because we found that traditional evangelism approaches don't work so well. Maybe maybe it's just because of our town, our environment. I'm not saying this for you, but for us, it didn't work so well. What we found that we needed to do was earn the right to be heard. So our philosophy was if we can surprise people with God's love, in that now there's going to be the question of why are you doing this? And from there, we had the, the right to be able to tell, well, we're doing this because God loves people, and we love people, and we just want to share the love of God with people around us. And, and, and a conversation develops very naturally. So um, I'll go through a list of some of the things we've done. Uh, one of the things that we do when the time changes uh, is we pass out free 9-volt batteries at grocery stores. And we got a professionally printed fire safety flyer that we, uh, that we give out with it. And, and the only thing about Journey Church is at the very back and the bottom, we'll have our church's information and website and, and that kind of stuff. But the whole brochure, it, and it's not like, you know, turn or burn or something like that. It's not a track. It's, not, it's, it's really, it, I mean, I guess you could if you're that 
Um, and so we we stand out in front of we stand out in front of we have a super Walmart because I think every small community in, in the country has one of those by now. And we we have a Walmart and we have a Kroger and we stand outside in front of them and we just hand them out. And it's so funny to see how people respond to that and we're like, no, it's free. We just we care about you. We care about your home. We want you to change the battery in your smoke detector. Um, and, and that's been, it's so funny to see, we had um, one of our people came back afterwards, after one of our recent ones, and said that this lady started crying that we would care about her home, and, and then it, it led into them praying for her. Not to receive Christ, but it was a touch to get her hopefully one step closer. Um, one of the things, we've, we, instead of us trying to duplicate what other groups in our city are doing, we're constantly trying to partner with what other groups in our city are doing. So instead of us having our own food pantry, I'm not saying it's bad if you have a food pantry in your church, but we have found that we have already two community food pantries, and we don't want to make a third one. So what we try to do is, hey, how can we reach out and, and help the, the food pantries? Or we have a, a local homeless shelter called the Liberty Center that we, that we partner with. And I think I got a couple pictures of uh, recently painting over there. We were painting a garage for them at the Liberty Center, and, and they love it. This is um, this next one is one of the favorite events that we do. In fact, our whole church looks forward to summer to be able to do these. And I copied this off of something that Conan did, except for he was in a different situation. A C3 church in Pickerington, much larger population center than what we have, the, their church was centered between um, a high school and a junior high school, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? And so the high school for football games... Um, they have this great big field that people would park in, and so they would put up a sign that would say $1 parking, and then once the people came in to park, instead of them taking the money from the person, they would give them a dollar and say, thank you for parking at our church today. And, and so I heard that, and I was like, well, we're next to a pig farm. No one's ever going to park in our church. So like, like, what could we do? And I heard of churches doing free car washes. But my friends, when they would say they would say, man, no one will come in when our signs say free car washes. And I think it's because people, you know, kind of in their minds, they think, okay, what's the catch? What's going on? Why would someone want to wash their car for free? So what we do is we stand out with signs that say dollar car wash. And then when they pull in, you know, usually they want to give us a dollar and say, no, 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 we'll take care of that at the end. And we try to wash your car like the best that we can. I mean, just put in a good work ethic and all that. And at the very end of the process, after drying off the car, we have someone there with a little uh, little card and a dollar. And when they roll down the window, we say, hey, we this is a twisted car wash. And we want to give you a dollar and thank you for the privilege of washing your car. And they'll say, why in the world would you do that? Some people will argue with us. It's funny, the different responses. I mean, we've had, we've had people want to fight over this. And, um, and here's what we tell them. We say, you know, we serve... Um, we follow a guy named Jesus, and he taught his followers to wash people's feet. And we thought that you would really be um, kind of awkward, it would be an awkward situation if we wash your feet. So since your mode of transportation is not your feet, your mode of transportation is your car, we, we thank you for the privilege of being able to wash your car today. And I'm telling you, the conversations um, that come from this, we've had, we've had big grown, like big guys get out of the car and give our, our people hugs at the end. We had um, just uh, the, the last Twisted Car Wash that we did of last year, like the last car that came through, it was nasty. It was nasty. And um, so we get to the end of it, and there's a couple in the car, and we could just see by looking through the windows. I mean, it just looked like, I don't know what was going on in this car. 
And we get to the end and we give him a dollar and the, the guy right away starts crying. I mean like projectile tears. We're like, okay, that's not, that's not, that's not usually how this goes. And he said, he said, can I tell you our story? We're like, sure, tell us your story. And he said, um, my wife and I are homeless. We live in our car and our car is just so dirty and we were just trying to scrounge. When we saw that your car wash was a dollar, we started scrounging up the coins that we had and we to see if we had a dollar to be able to pay for this car wash. And so he starts telling the story. Well, our volunteers, which are awesome, I mean, that's the whole reason why all this works. And one of the reasons why we draw people like the volunteers that we have is because we do this kind of stuff. If you do this, you're going to draw volunteers like this. Just let me know that. And so um, they started reaching into their wallets, and, and they had gift cards to gas stations. They, get, we, they didn't do this ahead of time. It's not like we planned this. Hey, bring gift cards to places. They just started pulling out gift cards. I'm telling you, by the time we were done, we prayed with them. They got out of their car. I mean, we prayed for them. Um, just had a great time of ministry. And, and you know who was most impacted by the encounter? 